Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. So glad that you decided to tune in on a Monday. Joined by Austin Brubaker, as I am each and every Monday. So hey, Austin, boy, a lot to talk about today. A hundred win for a uh, hundred wins for the Dodgers. A good weekend. The regular season is over. So hey, start diving in. Yeah, no, it was a uh, it was a good day yesterday. Dodgers got to that 100 win mark, which I know throughout the course of the season, there was kind of those doubts of whether they would be able to get to that. There were some doubts in the offseason as far as if they did enough to be able to potentially even make the playoffs. I know there was some question about that beginning of the season. Uh, Dodgers know exactly what they need to do, and they know exactly what they have in their roster. And yesterday, if you look at just the overall grand scope of baseball, It was a good day for baseball, just looking at everything. Obviously, neither of us are based in the L.A. area. You're based in Oklahoma. I'm based in Michigan. Uh, Yesterday, we got to see kind of the culmination of a Hall of Fame career yesterday here in Michigan with Miguel Cabrera uh, in his final game. And just the I know he was like a huge part of my childhood and stuff, somebody growing up. Um, which is really cool because the Dodgers also have a couple of guys who uh, they have on their roster um, that are Hall of Fame players. So I think it's important um, not just to appreciate the 100-win season that the Dodgers have, but also to appreciate in the time that you have with these guys, with the guys like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw, who are Hall of Fame players, uh, to take a step back and be able to just appreciate and have awe in just the all-around talent that these guys. Baseball is a fun, it is a legacy sport. Uh, and I think yesterday we were able to see that. Obviously, Dodgers added to their legacy having another 100-win season. But also the years that some of the guys have and the careers that they've had, I think it's important to take a step back and appreciate that. First 100-win team four consecutive years in a row in four full seasons. That's pretty amazing considering the way that this roster constructed throughout the year. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. It, it continues to show just the depth that the Dodgers uh, system, the Dodgers organization has because they didn't make all of the giant free agent moves this offseason. Uh, but what they did is they or the trade deadline they didn't add in the trade deadline as well you're absolutely right and what but the reason why they're able to continue this success is because they pay attention to details up and down the organization it's not just sole focused on the major league club although that is the main focus it is also about developing talent throughout the minor leagues and doing it the right and proper way and also being a little bit advanced of that having advanced analytics uh, making sure that you're keeping in mind all of the dif- different elements of player development um i think we've seen the culmination of that uh effort all that process to where even if you don't make the biggest move in the offseason you can still be extremely successful okay so you mentioned all of the the hall of famers of course Mookie Betts we'll get into his numbers here in a minute what'd you think about Dave coming out and saying that Clayton Kershaw would be the game one starter I think if you follow Dodgers daily we've been telling you this was going to happen for about a month and a half two months the Dodgers they love their veterans hey you know go with Clayton Kershaw that first game Bobby Miller the second game who knows the third game so that's pretty much what, you know the page that we've been on 
for quite a while now. But what did you think about that announcement? Yeah, and I, th- I think that was probably an inevitable. I don't know if you necessarily wanted Bobby Miller to start game one. I think we kind of figured out that they were going to be the game one, game two starters. Uh, having Clayton Kershaw get the Dodgers settled in to the series, I think is probably the wisest move. So I think, I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's a question that that's kind of how they were planning on setting that up, especially how they managed to uh, manage their rotation towards the end of this week, having Kershaw start and then Bobby Miller. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to be good. I think this is the correct decision by Dave. And I don't think there's any sort of shame of hiding it necessarily leading up into the series, because I think teams would have already figured it out. And so I think going with your hall of fame pitcher, going with the ACE of the staff is probably the wise thing to do. Yeah. And I also think his last performance, you know, the way that he performed and the way he gave length, I think that also kind of gave the Dodgers comfort that, Hey, he's going to be, almost full health you know nobody's fully healthy at this point in the year and he is capable of actually physically being that ace yeah and i think he's somebody who likely just gets one start the first series hopefully that series doesn't go super long and the dodgers are able to wrap that series up pretty quick with a series win before moving on to uh what we're planning on to be possibly atlanta just because they've been the best team um, how they manage their rotation uh, is going to be extremely, and how they manage who actually goes about pitching is going to be extremely interesting over the course of this postseason. Yeah, you mentioned managing who's going to be pitching a third game, I think, is the biggest question. You don't have to have more than three starters if you don't want in a five-game series. The way they spread it out, you could go with a three with a three-starter system. Probably go with the four-starter system. But where did we end up on Lance Land? His last outing was, was six innings, which is good. But we know in the postseason, the length isn't as, as as valuable as the quality. You know, and he had the early first walk. He had the, uh, the walks early on. And he got himself in a jam in the first inning. And, you know, had already given up a run before he got an out. He got out of that inning. But you're just sitting here thinking, hey, man, if this is the Milwaukee or if this is Atlanta Braves team, that's really dialed in, you know, for the playoff setting, and and they're not going to chase pitches, and and they're just going to have that extra bit of focus. This might end up being a four or five inning run inning type situation. At least that's kind of what I was thinking as I was watching it. He had the four walks. He did go the six innings, just the two runs. Where did we end up on Lance Land? Yeah, and this is one of the biggest questions because we've seen some struggles for Lance Lynn. We've seen him give up the home runs. We've seen him at times struggle with control. And with a team like Milwaukee, you have to be able to limit the guys on base. You have to be able to limit the walks that you give up because that's something that they're really good at. With Arizona, they're going to try to create chaos. They're going to look to, when they get on base, steal a bunch of bases. They're going to be looking for creative ways to win. Uh, So with these pitchers, those are the two opponents that you, one of those two, you're going to face in the division round. You have to be disciplined when you are pitching against these two teams uh, because their offenses aren't necessarily explosive if you take away these elements. Doesn't mean that they can't happen in a short series, yeah. but you have to look for ways to get beat them in these certain aspects. Is Lance Lynn going to be best for that? is the question right now. 
Um, I think with Lance Lynn, he's obviously struggled with the home runs. I think that's going to be and the walks and, and just staying walks, in the strike yeah. zone. That's the one that gets me. You know, the home runs, the solos okay, but the freebies is is what he can control. Yes, and that's something that you can't do, especially against a team like Milwaukee. That is Arizona is going to steal you blind if you give freebies. If yes, and they're going to put runners in scoring position. They're going to find a way to get those runners in because honestly, Arizona's got nothing to lose. Yeah, and especially no if they go up against the Dodgers, they're going to be given everything they got, and they're going to be trying to create, trying to take advantage of every aspect of the game. Uh, so with this, you got to be disciplined. I think it's going to be kind of where Lance Lynn is at. Um, do they feel like they should go to or have some sort of veteran presence? Uh, I know that's kind of the history of what Dave has been comfortable with. Um, but do you roll with the rookies who have been better as of late? Uh, that's a serious question because, I mean, there is some sort of break that you get as well. I don't know how the Dodgers are going to react to this mm-hmm. extended period of You'll have a sim game, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll be doing stuff to make sure that they – are prepared, but there's nothing like in-game action. It's very hard to replicate that. Um, for so for Lance Lynn, uh, if I had to take a guess, I would guess he's probably at least for the division round, probably still on there. He's going to be on probably a very short or a much shorter leash, especially depending on how the series is going. If the Dodgers are up to nothing, I think they give him a little bit more extended leash to try to rest some of the bullpen to prepare for later in the series. Um, but if the, if it's something where it's a 1-1 series and you're going with Lance Lynn, um, that's where things could get a little bit trickier and you have to have him on a much shorter leash. Uh, just because you don't want the game to get away with you, you want to be disciplined uh, with how you are pitching to a lot of these teams. Yep, and of course we wanted to give our thoughts and prayers to Lance Lynn, who mm-hmm. was placed on the bereavement list Saturday. So obviously that takes priority over absolute yeah. everything on earth. You yes. know, sometimes as as much as this game means to us, as much as the Dodgers mean to us. You have situations like this that take you back and realize this is just a game, and the game of life is much more important. Absolutely. You you said it right there. Absolutely. Our thoughts and prayers are with Lance Lynn during this time. Okay, Mookie Betts, best season as a Dodger. He hit 307, OPS 987, 107 RBIs, WRC plus of 166. That's a That's incredible, isn't it? That's absolutely incredible. That's, that speaks to just the absolute level of talent that he has, not just in that, but the value that he brings with his defense versatility. Um, that was huge for this team, especially when they were struggling a bit, especially when they were looking for answers all around. Uh, when you lose a guy like a Gavin Lux for the season and you some of your plans um, get shattered a little bit, I think that was that was huge for them. You know, the thing about it, about this team, of course, they did have all the rookies, and it kind of gives the perception off that, that you know, it, the talent was down, but you still had two guys that were in the MVP race, and then Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and four guys that went over 100 RBIs. So it wasn't like this, especially offensively, it wasn't like this team just didn't have talent, right? 
Oh, yeah. And you saw that, especially at the top of their lineup. But then it was also supplemented by guys throughout the bottom of their lineup, too, who were able to really add some value and contribute. This Good team point. is a full team, even though they don't necessarily have the star power at the bottom, perhaps, that they've had in the past or the known names. Uh, the guys at the bottom were also able to contribute, but the guys at the top obviously helped carry it. You look at Betts, Freeman, Will Smith. You look at J.D. Martinez, what he's added to this lineup, and Max Muncy. Uh, when he's on, he's extremely, extremely good, extremely powerful uh, for this lineup. All around, up and down, This these guys have put together an incredible offensive season when you didn't necessarily know if they would be able to be at the level that they have been at the past, which this season they've shown that they have been able to do that. You know, it's been very good at the top with, with Betts and Freeman, and then you mentioned Will Smith, J.D. Martinez, Max Muncy, but it just kind of feels like this offense is a little bit more complete maybe from one through nine than some of the offenses in the past, which typically speaking, the more complete you are in a playoff setting, the better off you're going to do. Would that, would that be an accurate assessment? I would say so, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's accurate because that just adds more um more wheel room as being able to contribute uh throughout the course, especially when you're dealing with postseason, um when a lot of different variability happens when you don't necessarily know who's going to step up, having more guys that have more talent that have their swing on uh just adds more it just adds more for the opposing team to have to maneuver uh which i think is going to make it very difficult for any team that faces the dodgers okay let's get into some roster decisions i think Emmett sheehan is safe you mentioned that alex vesey is safe last time we'll see okay so michael grove i think this is one of the first decisions the dodgers have to make do you keep michael grove in a one or two inning relieving type setting or do you keep, or do you cut one of your lefties? Okay, so when you look at Caleb Ferguson versus lefties this year, average against 286. Okay, his whip is just 127. He's given up 16 runs in 19.2 innings against lefties. Alex Vesia, 21 innings. He's given up 10 runs, 24 hits, 279 average against against lefties. His whip is 141. So, you know, hey, it's not like Alex Vesia and Caleb Ferguson have been very good against lefties. They really haven't. And so I th- I don't think you go, hey, we need a lefty versus a lefty because the numbers wouldn't say that. I just think you have to go with the pitcher that you think is the best at this point. So who's the best between Michael Grove, Alex Vesia? Of course, for Grove to make it, you only need to to shed one of those lefties. So so who's the best two of those three, Grove, Vesia, and Ferguson? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because obviously I think Grove has been pitching the best as as of late uh, in comparison to a lot of those guys. And when you look at the roster decision the Dodgers are going to have, I think that's a that's a very serious question as far as matchups versus who's pitching well. Because you look at a guy like Ryan Yarbrough, he doesn't have the most amazing lefty righty splits it's not like he's just getting lefties out in fact he's has a little bit of reverse splits where he's actually a little bit more effective at getting righties out which is something that i think the if you look at the dodgers bullpen particularly uh they have a lot of guys who can get righties out so i think you look at a guy like ryan yarborough do you necessarily need the length 
in a five-game series, especially if you're keeping a guy like Emmett Sheehan, who's kind of that number five slash you can put him in there to add some length. I don't necessarily know if you need a guy like a Ryan Yarbrough for an Alex Vesia, who we've seen struggle a little bit this season, a little bit better as of late. You mentioned that the lefty-righty splits aren't necessarily as good. My biggest concern with these series is getting individual players out on the opposing team and looking at their splits and as far as how they are against certain competition against the righty-lefty split. I know I've mentioned Christian Yelich as a guy that I've wanted Mm -hmm. to see get out. Both Arizona and um, Milwaukee. Milwaukee particularly has a little bit more of a righty-heavy base, which go, matches up well with what the Dodgers have in their bullpen. But you still have individual players that you might want to get out during that matchup game. Um, and so with that, I think you have three lefties out of your bullpen. Uh, you have Yarbrough, you have Vesia, you have Ferguson. Um with those, I could see the Dodgers probably keeping two yep. of those three. You don't see all three getting kept? I don't yep. at this point just because of some of the struggles that they have and because I don't think you necessarily need all of them to get individual matchups out. I think you can, if you have two of them, you can strategically use them in places to try to get those matchups out. And I think it's, I think the value of what you're looking at is more looking at the opposing players. What does that opposing player struggle with as opposed to what mm-hmm. the pitcher, what their splits against individuals? Obviously, you still want to look at those as well. Looking at individual players, looking at a Corbin Carroll looking at a Christian Yelich depending on who you're going up against and what's going to be the best matchup for them what type of pitches best get them out I know Christian Yelich kind of like it struggles a little bit more with some of the off speed some of the breaking pitches what sort of guys can you use to go against Christian Yelich to get him out um but I think with the Dodgers, you've seen a lot of the right-handed pitchers being able to produce be a little bit better for them um and i think they're going to roll with a lot of right-handed pitchers but i think it's still important to keep those lefties in there so if you keep two lefties out of the three that puts michael grove in either michael grove or kyle hurt so mm-hmm. okay but i think they would go with grove just simply because he's pitched more at the major league level there's a bigger sample size you know only just the one outing for for kyle hurt so what would it take for kyle hurt to make the postseason roster the dodgers would have to shed two out of the three lefties, I think, for that to happen, and or a Lance Lynn type of guy, any chance that happens? I don't see that happening right now. I think I think it's going to be a little bit tough, and I know this is this 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 isn't uh, exactly what we want necessarily because we're big fans of Kyle Hart. We sure. we know how dominant he can be in this postseason environment. I think it's going to be a little bit tough for him to make the postseason roster just because of the depth that the Dodgers have at the pitching, at the bullpen. Um, I think if they had an injury or two, um, I think that could propel him and he would be able to step up and fill in. Or if you have guys that are struggling, if you go through a postseason and a reliever gives up a couple of runs in a postseason series, I think that's going to propel an opportunity for him. But I think right now where the roster stands, I think it's going to be a little bit tough for Kyle Hart to make that Mm -hmm. postseason bullpen. 
Plus, NTI Monte made it made his way back with Triple A Oklahoma City. He pitched in the Triple A Championship game that we'll get into here in a minute. So, and he looked good. He he threw an inning and, and he looked good there. So, NTI Monte also might be an option as well. Of course, we haven't seen him at the major league level in quite a while, so that would be kind of a leap of faith for him. But any final thoughts of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the season, any of that before we jump to the farm? Yeah, no, it's it was a very good season for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think you have to sit back. I know at times we can kind of go with the ups and downs of the season, get a little bit too emotional at the individual mm-hmm. games. But I think with the overall big picture this was a very good season, regular season for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Their story isn't written yet. Their story sure. is going to be defined by what they do in the postseason. Obviously, you have expectations of a World Series every single year. That won't happen realistically. This season is one of those opportunities. You have some prime talent. Uh, you have some Hall of Fame players supplemented by some rookies. It's going to be a fun postseason because – Regardless, a lot of these guys are going to get experience. Some guys that are going to be on the team for quite a while are getting experience in the postseason. But with the Dodgers fans, I think it's, they are expecting a post. They're expecting a World Series. They are expecting this team to compete and go well, uh, especially after some of the pain they they felt in the last couple of seasons. So it's going to be it's going to be a very good, very interesting ride. This is where the games start getting real, and this is where it's your time to play the best baseball of your entire season. So this is where it gets fun. No doubt about that. Okay, Austin, you ready to take a trip down the farm? I sure am. The Oklahoma City Dodgers, they made it to the AAA championship game. Hey, they won the PCL championship. They won the best Two out of three series against Round Rock at home last week. They traveled to Vegas. It was a winner-takes-all game on Saturday evening. It was a furious comeback. The Dodgers scored four runs in the ninth inning, but came up one run short and lost 7-6. to six. The Jackson Holiday, the, the number one pick of the 2022 draft, was on display. Lots of talent for the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers. So, hey, Austin, go ahead and sum that one up. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun game. So this is something new that minor league baseball has implemented is the AAA championship game. We know that the Pacific Coast League and the International League, the two different leagues in AAA, never play each other. Mm-hmm. And so you have these two leagues that have teams on the east and teams on the west. Um, to be able to have one game where you have the two champions, one of the Pacific Coast League, one of the International League, be able to play each other. It's just kind of like a fun event mm-hmm. that you can have uh, and something that is really cool to be a part of. And so for each one of these guys uh, and for fans of the Oklahoma City Dodgers, this is a unique event that you got, that, w- that we were able to see, that we were able to witness. And the talent that we got to see on the field was just incredible. I know mm-hmm. the the Tides, who congratulations to them. They fought and deserved to win that championship. They have an incredible amount of talent on that team. So many good young guys that are coming up mm-hmm. through the Baltimore Orioles system. But also with Oklahoma City Dodgers, just a character that they had in that ninth inning trying to come back uh, – 
scoring a bunch of runs to be able to make that game incredibly close. I know they came up just to run short, but the character that they saw that they had after going down, they didn't give up in that game. And that's what I appreciate most about that in a one game playoff. Anything can happen. It's kind of like it kind of a crapshoot, but it, it, the fight that they had throughout that to try to win that championship. I really appreciate it. The PCL championship, I can tell you, I was there and saw it. That, that felt more like a that felt more like a championship series, more like a playoff series. Like, hey, this these guys are are hooked up. They're wanting to win something. The the game Saturday, the AAA championship game, felt did it did feel a little bit more like an exhibition. You know, just one game, winner takes all. But it was super fun. I, I liked that vibe because then you know, whenever you get the international league together against the the PCL, and you have the two best teams. You know, that gives the teams kind of more options to to put all their talent out there so you can see them. We saw that with the Oklahoma City Dodgers. Yancy Almonte pitched. John Rooney pitched. uh, Tyson Miller pitched. You know, so there was a lot of, you know, a lot of different pitchers that pitched. Miguel Vargas hit a home run. Michael Bush hit a home run. So there was a lot of talent on display. As a matter of fact, Yancy Almonte, he went one inning, gave up no runs, two strikeouts, one walk. And his slider was big, 41 inches of vert, Drew Avens. He also got a base hit. His OPS in the postseason was 1441. Drew Avens hit 636 in the postseason. I hope he is on a postseason roster somewhere next year. Miguel Vargas, he played third base again last night. Mentioned this about a month and a half, maybe two months ago. The Dodgers started playing him more at third base after he came back down. That was, as a matter of fact, that was his 20th game he played at third base since he got brought back down. So I think the Dodgers are looking at him at third base again, which if you've heard me talk, I think that's his most natural position. I think that's the position that settles him down and relaxes him the most. And I think that also helps his offense. So I'm more impressed with Miguel Vargas at third base than I am anywhere else. Hunter Fiducia, he hit another home run. And after hitting 279 the regular season, Hunter Fiducia, uh, he has been on the – check this out as a catcher. Since 2021, you know, 2020 was canceled. The minor league season was. Hunter Fiducia, as a catcher, has only been on the IL for seven days in the last three years. That goes to show you the durability of him. That dude is tough as hell. I hope he's on a major league roster again next year. Michael Bush, we know he was the Dodgers minor league player of the year. He had a home run as well. Brian Hudson looked good. And Tyson Miller looked very good in his two innings as well. And then John Rooney. I think John Rooney really set himself up to make a run to Major Leagues next year. Yeah, a lot of guys that you're going to be seeing at the Major League level at some point next season, most likely if they are given the opportunity. And we know if they're given the opportunity and they're given the proper run time, they can have a lot of success. We've seen that on the minor league level. We believe that it's going to translate into the major league level for a lot of these guys. A lot of talent, not just for the Tides. I know they had a lot of the highly ranked prospects. Yeah. I don't necessarily look at that because a lot of the guys at the Dodgers also right. have a ton of talent too. And I think, uh, I think a lot of those times that gets overlooked for a lot of these guys. Don't just look at the numbers, look at the actual talent because the Dodgers will play the guys that are most talented, not the guys necessarily with the highest rank or highest number next to their prospect list or whatever you call that. No doubt about it. So the minor league season it's put to bed for everybody. We put to bed the Great Lakes Loons about a week ago. They made it to the finals. We put to bed Rancho about a week ago. 
They made it, both the Loons and the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, they made it to the very last game of the finals of their league. Tulsa was the best team in the in the Texas League uh, through about halfway through June until they started having promotions. And, by the way, 364,000 fans went and saw games at T-Town, at Drillville there in Tulsa. They led the league in attendance for the Texas League again. So Tulsa, hey, great job supporting the AA Dodgers, the Drillers there, and then Oklahoma City, they went over 400,000 in attendance. So you're talking about Oklahoma, who has a population of roughly 4 million people. You know, three-quarters of a million people went and watched baseball this year. So that was fantastic. So put put this uh, minor league season to bed for us, Austin. I know, and it, I know for us that's a little bit frustrating because I know we don't want the minor league season. Yeah, right. We wish we could watch these games every single day throughout the course of the season. Uh, what a season has been for covering the Dodgers farm system, all up and down uh, for each one of these teams. You saw a Before you go on, do you know the attendance success. figures for Great Lakes? I know they're one of the most well-attended. But do you have yeah, they had for um for, they had like a press release. They had about two hundred thousand, uh, which awesome. you're talking in Midland. Um, that's very much a smaller town. You're not talking about yeah. one of the bigger towns in Michigan. They're drawn from a much smaller population. Their biggest draw one is they have the Dodgers in town, but also the quality that they have in yeah. their. Uh, overall thing. So I know they're kind of in the middle of the pack of the Midwest League. They got so they they're competing against cities like Dayton, Grand Rapids, yeah. Lansing, some much higher higher uh, populated cities. They still are able to produce and they still put on a great show. Um, but you saw through the course of the Dodgers minor league, obviously a lot of fans were able to go and see these games, which we absolutely love and we encourage uh, you to go out and check out these minor league teams. Um, the level of talent that the Dodgers have in the minor league system is phenomenal. And the quality of play has just been improving and improving uh, throughout the course of the years. Um, it's just amazing to be able to watch and see these journeys because each one of these guys at the minor league level has a story, has a journey that they're going on fighting to live out the dream that they have, that we've all had at some point of going to the big league level. Um, there's a lot of individual performances that we, and a lot of good team performances, a lot of good wins. Um, just overall, it has been an incredible season to cover the minor leagues. Uh, I know we'll be going a little bit more in depth individually on mm-hmm. each one of these players throughout the course of the off season. I'll have a little bit to more to dive into some of the numbers. Um, but just looking at everything overall, you have to be incredibly grateful for what we were able to see at the minor league level. A lot of good mm-hmm. stuff coming up. And the Dodgers have to be incredibly grateful. Hey, I don't have the Quakes numbers in front of me, but it looks like just looking, adding the, the Oklahoma City Dodgers, the AA Tulsa Drillers, and the high Great Lakes Loons, it looks like to me it's, it's almost guaranteed between the four affiliates, the Dodgers minor league system went over a million fans. Over yeah. a million Golly. Yeah, I know. That's and incredible, that's, isn't it? Yeah, and that those are guys watching. That's watching these guys who haven't made it to the big league level. Yeah. These are guys that are fighting to make it to the big league level who might make it. Um, let's make that two million next year. Yeah. Let's continue at it to that. Uh, I don't know. And if it's that's cool actually- because you have that ninety mile trip between your double A AA and triple A squad, so you can go back and forth with them. So yeah, 
Oh yeah, no, we want to we want to continue to add to that. We want to continue to have great crowds because I think that helps with the development of these guys too. I think creating an environment that's as close to LA or ha- just having that indiv- those fan support I think is something that is really important and means a lot to a lot of these guys and you can see um, just the level of play that they had. I know there was a moment in the postseason where everybody was cheering on, not just go and then give the actual number, but actually cheering on guys by their nicknames that they yeah. had been given throughout the clubhouse. When you get to know these guys on an individual level like that, I think that can really help with pushing a lot of these guys to be their very best, uh, pushing these guys to develop to be who the best as they possibly can. Um, I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun and minor league baseball is stuff that I'm some of the stuff that I'm most passionate about. All right, man. Got to put the funky feather away until what next, next April again. So we'll yeah. see it again. You know, here in about, oh, three or four months, five months, something like that. However long that is, I'm not very good at math. So, hey, Austin, wonderful show again. Thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Casey. So there you have it. There's our show for you today. I want to thank Austin Brubaker for joining. He always does such a wonderful job. He has added so much to Dodgers Daily and this platform and this channel. So thank you to him for joining. I hope you enjoyed today's show. One last reminder, we are open for business. We have a GoFundMe account. The link to that is in the description if you would like to donate. And also, we are also open for business for sponsorships. If you or somebody you know has a business that would like to sponsor this Dodgers Daily show, our webpage at dodgersdaily.net or any of our social media platforms, just leave a comment, leave a DM, and or you can email me at dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com, and I can get you all the information on that. Hey, don't forget to interact with this video. Leave a like, leave a comment. Make sure you turn your notifications on. We'd love it if you'd share this video. Make YouTube know that this is a video that you like, and therefore it gets suggested more, and it gets more views, and we can keep growing and keep doing what we love to do, which is providing videos like this in the future. So as always, I'd like to thank you for tuning in, and say, Go Dodgers!